Turks were really blowing up on Airbnb right now. Would it be so bad if an 84-year-old got into heroin? Welcome to the Cat Organizational Podcast. You idiot. It's written down in front of you, you idiot. This is like the buffalo chicken wrap of answers. I haven't heard about hot orcs in a while. We were so horny for motion controls in 2005. I can't wait to come back and tell you how it was Noah's Ark, you asshole. I would also like to retroactively say I've never had cotton candy acid. So Andrew's 100% doing a voice, right? Everybody get off IMDb now. Time to record. This episode and probably this whole this whole podcast is a mistake. Hello and welcome to Debate This, a show where no one is right, but someone is definitely wrong. In this show, we talk about comic books, video games, and how life under quarantine is a timeless void of grazing and naps. <laughs> yep. I, I used the phrase, I had pizza for that meal that falls between the time that lunch and dinner falls. Not a minute ago. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I drank half a bottle of wine at 11 a.m. this morning, so, you know, quarantine. Clocks and calendars are now meaningless. Um, the sun is our new god, and that's that's all we have to go off of. My life is either just two statuses. It's either I am working or not working. That's it. That's all it is. You're, it feels like our total existence, I mean, I, there was a meme about it that, you know, being in quarantine is like being in the airport. It doesn't matter what you do because time doesn't matter. Like you're having scotch at 10 a.m. Like you're, you're sleeping <laughs> and the sun's up. Getting a breakfast sandwich from McDonald's at, at 9.30 p.m. Yeah. 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 Ooh, I really want a breakfast sandwich right now. That's something. This will be fun to listen to this in the future when life is presumably back to normal. Hey, everybody in the future. Yeah. How's it going? How's outside? Yeah. Tell us. <laughs> tell us. And hit us up on Twitter and tell us how outside is. Um, Those of you whose human genomes made you immune to the end of the world. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so today, guys, we are taking a break from our regularly scheduled debating to tell you about one of my favorite stories I read growing up. It is a story of shape-shifting teens, a secret alien invasion, mind control, body horror, slavery, genocide, PTSD, and dealing with the horrors of war. Written in a 54-book series aimed at 10- to 12-year-old scholastic book fair shoppers. I am, of course, talking about K.A. Applegate's young adult series, Animorphs. Of course are you talking about that. <laughs> what else wow. could that possibly describe? What a goddamn sentence that was. <laughs> um, I wrote Ooh. that paragraph, and that was all I wrote for this episode that night. Um, that, took, <laughs> that took a lot of work. Oh, man. I, as, as far as like things that have been a long time coming, this has been something that Kyle's been pitching since, pretty much since the beginning of this podcast. So Debate This was almost a Animorphs read-along uh, oh. podcast. It's, and, it still could be. And to say <laughs> that that isn't in the works would be a lie. We haven't unleashed pa- Patreon yet, so it still could be. But I felt it was a little too much to fall down this yerk pool alone. So today Ew. I am joined by Todd... Hork Bajir Thomas, Matt Helmacron Cole, and Andrew Skritna Henderson. Um, and before we just dive into the series, guys. No, wait, Kyle, hold on. Those are my three favorite fonts you can download for Microsoft Office. <laughs> really good. Yeah. So guys, what do, what do you know of Animorphs before before we dive into this? What what's your experience with the series? Anyone. Well, since all all children love reading books, um, so I just want to get that out there as a foundation because I'm sure as kids we all read books. 
You're an asshole, Todd. <laughs> you suck. Um, I I read a couple of the books. I don't think you've said yet how many books there are. I know I have not. I did read say it's a front. It's a fifty-five book, a fifty-four book series. I would say I read maybe ten percent of the books, but I did watch the series quite a bit. Okay, Matt, what is your experience with oh, the Animorphs man. book series? <laughs> So, like Todd said, every little kid loves reading, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, especially Matt. I hate libraries, Cole. It's, it's not a thing. I don't so hate much. libraries. Fuck. One of these days, we're going to stop cutting off the early parts of the recording where Matt just rants about how much he yeah. hates libraries before like, we go live. This, this is the dumbest bit. They have the audacity to give out free shit all the time. Who That's is this so joke stupid. even for? <laughs> God damn it. No, okay, so I I bought a lot of Animorphs books for the covers, but I didn't read them because I was a dumb kid and didn't like reading, and I read slow, so I just didn't read. I listened to books on tape, um, and like we covered... The last time we tried to record this podcast, which is why everybody's <laughs> dumping on me for this already. Uh, the Animorphs books weren't out on uh, audio on demand in 1999. So I but they didn't are listen in 2020. Someone is currently are. recording all the Animorphs books for audiobook. So you can go find those when you're done listening to this podcast. All 54 goddamn books on the <laughs> All 54 audio. main series books, as well as the four Megamorphs Jesus. books and the four anthology books that go along with the series. Yes. Oh, fuck. So I, uh, I'll, I'll go now. I was a huge fan of the series. Uh, probably not as much as Kyle, clearly. Um, I didn't make it, I didn't make it to the end. I didn't make it through 54 books. You don't know I, what happened to the Yerks? I got about halfway through, and and uh, we talk about this phenomenon a lot. And, it, and you, some of you have seen this happen in real time. What Matt just did there in his audio was was a bit of a hork bajir, actually. Um, <laughs> we, talk, we talk about this phenomenon a lot, which is similar to what happened during the rock band Guitar Hero discussion. Uh, certain memories getting dislodged from your long term subconscious. Oh man! And hearing the term yerk. And some of these other things that I've read, like holy shit, I I haven't thought about Yerks in a long time. But <laughs> there was a there was a particular part of time in my life similar along the line when I was really afraid of quicksand. I was really afraid <laughs> of Yerks. Oh yeah. And uh, both of those things um, coalesced very nicely. Uh, I I'll, I'll say I got through. I, I remember probably about halfway through the series, maybe two thirds. Um, I remember stopping or falling out of love with it uh, when they did all of the spinoffs. Just with all the incoherent alien names. Well, good news. We sounds cover, like we're going to get to. <laughs> we cover all the spinoffs in today's episode for you. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I, I got to the hork Chronicles. I will admit, too, I had to stumble over the finish line for this series. The last, like, ten books, mm -hmm. I s suddenly stopped being able to find new issues of Animorphs at that okay. time. So um, one day I was in a bookstore and found, like, the last ten, and this was maybe two years after they had come okay. out and I stopped just had reading to, like, them. Blow through it. So I, I like finished the series, but only just because um, there were 54 of the books and they became difficult to find. <laughs> it was like, it was like what everyone did with the last two seasons of lost. They did yeah. it because <laughs> but, they like but more out of to. obligation. Obligation. Yeah. 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 Or the last season of the office. Yes. There were at least the emotions. Okay. There were at least a few peaks amongst all the valleys we're we're not gonna get into todd's defense of the last season of the office right now um not because time. we have all we have a lot of animorphs to cover let's do it 
So guys, while this all sounds intimidating with all the weird alien names and pronunciations and, and planets, um, the Animorph series really tries to help you out by dropping you in from the point of view of five 90s human teens who, when walking home from the mall one night... Take hey, Kyle, how much attitude do they have? Do they, they have, have a little attitude or a lot of attitude? Well, it depends on, <laughs> depends on who you're asking about. Would you uh, call Marco spunky, definitely has the most teens? attitude. They are all spunky teens. Um, so, five human teens who, when walking from home from the mall one night, take a shortcut through an abandoned construction site. They stumble upon a crashed spaceship and rush in to see if anyone is hurt. In the wreckage, they find Andalite Prince Elfangor Sinriel Shamtul, who telepathically <laughs> communicates to them Fuck that he doesn't here. have much time <laughs> and that the Earth is a battleground for a decades-long intergalactic war. Wait, so, okay, it's pause. So the Earth is currently a battleground, or the Earth has been chosen as a battleground for an impending war? Um... It's half and half. It's we are we are we are in the midst we are in the midst of a Yurk invasion. Um, the the Yurk Andalite war that has been going on for decades did not all occur on Earth. But okay. and my question, Kyle, after this conversation, is that when Elfangor gives the Green Lantern ring to the teens and tells them that they've been chosen? <laughs> That's the wrong the wrong intellectual property, Todd. Oh, okay. Um, so Elfangor, Prince Elfangor then has them touch a mysterious glowing cube. Yeah, you love it when that happens. Tells them they yeah. now have the ability to absor absorb the genetic information of living things and use it in to transform into that creature. And that they must use this ability to fight off the Yurk invasion. The Yurks being another alien species that uh, controls individual hosts. I thought that um, Yurks were those things that people went glamping in. I was <laughs> under the impression that <laughs> we're really blowing up on Airbnb right now. Uh, the teens then run, nice. hide, and watch as a Yurk-controlled Andalite, Visser 3, destroys Prince Elfangor, his ship, and any evidence that anything ever happened at this abandoned construction site. Um, Kyle, specific question. Of the, of the word series, Andalite, <laughs> Prince, Elfangor, Serenial, Shemuddle... <laughs> which, of those, which of those is name and which of those is title so matt the <laughs> the andalites are an alien race with humanoid torsos on a deer or elk-like body covered in uh, light blue fur uh yes they look like centaurs prince is a rank in the andalite military and Elfangor Shinriel Shamtul is a name of one such Andalite. What I love is like the naming conventions are thrown out the window because then a moment later we have Visser Three. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So the the logic is, here isn't Todd, Visser a title? Visser it's is like a, Darth Vader, right? Visser is a title. So the logic uh, here, Todd, is that um, Andalite names are so confusing and unpronounceable because Andalites do not have mouths and communicate oh, yeah. telepathically. Um, and then Visser 3 is a rank in the Yurk forces. Yurks gotcha. are all identified only by their rank, and he is the th 
the third or 16th highest ranking Yurk, depending on how you break down <laughs> that higher, higher. Listen, listen, we're going to promote here in town, but we're just going to let you know, you're either going to be the third highest in the office or the 16th highest. just depends. Without getting too into it, there are two Vissers above him, Vissers 2 and 1, and they all answer to a council of 13, but for, for sake of conversation, he is the third highest ranking Yurk. Okay. Do you, guys, do you guys know what else comes in 13s? Uh, don't Zan- finish that thought. <laughs> the council of Xanort's motherfucker. <laughs> um, so I will, I, will, I will attempt to explain a few things. Um, as I said, Andalites are the, the blue centaurs. They have um, like antennae eyes, so they can look around in all directions at once. Um, no mouth, as I said, and a bladed whip-like tail. They are the developers of the advanced technology that allows um, the body shifting, but it's not an inherent Andalite trait. They are responsible for introducing the Yurks to advanced technology and releasing them on the universe, and are now trying to contain the Yurk invasion that they helped start. Um, Yurks are a parasitic slug-like alien race that, in their normal state, the slug-like state, exists in an almost senseless uh, state of being living in a pool of nutrients uh, that is called a yerk pool. They are able to squeeze their way into brains of other species, taking full control of their host. However, they must what return... by, like, senseless way of life? So they, they can't see, feel, taste, smell. They don't... They, they literally, like, experience almost nothing except, like, sort oh, okay. of shifting light sort of heat to find the host the, but the term senseless pool of life makes them sound like eldritch horrors a little bit they're, they're a little eldritchy i mean they squeeze yeah. into your brain and take control of your yeah. body that's not like they're like they're idiot gods yeah <laughs> um so yurks squeeze into your brain take control of a host's body but must return to their yurk pools every three days or they will starve to death they the Yurk invasion is now looking for a planet full of uh, hosts with a large enough population to arm their forces, and they believe they have found that with the human race on Earth. And as I explained earlier, Visser Three is our big bad um, of the series. He's the only Yurk to take an Andalite host. Um, Visser Three being the name and rank of the Yurk in the Andalite, um, and he is tasked with leading the the earth invasion his host does possess the ability to transform but uh, it's a pride thing that he chooses to mostly stay as an andalite Um, he is conniving patient and arrogant but also quick to run away from a fight he feels he cannot win Um, a lot of times as the battles go south there's a little blurb and viscer three escaped into his ship and flew away and then they finished the fight so um, he's a big he's a big boisterous coward who very much enjoys um being the only yurk controlling an andalite um okay kyle question and if we get to it later if we're gonna get to it later that's fine just tell me but viscer three as as an andalite who contains a yurk brain um who is the like sentient that drives the host like is it the yurk that is the sentience the Yurk is in charge. Okay. Yes. Cool. You are still awake and present when a Yurk is in control of your body, <laughs> but you do not make a move. You don't blink, breathe, fart without the Yurk 
giving your body the go ahead. Okay. So, so it's kind of like um it's like that scene in Get Out where he's just like watching his body move. Exactly. 100%. Cool. And that um there are there is an entire book we'll get into in a minute. There's an entire book that um from the point of view of a controlled host. So it's it's fun. It's a fun book series for kids. I can't believe we all read this shit. <laughs> no. Well, Matt didn't, but Matt didn't, reference. but Matt hates reading. Fuck out of so. here. Just um, got him. God damn it. So, so the Animorphs themselves are cons- consist of five and later six teens. Um, Jake, the Tiger King, as I will now affectionately call him, um, <laughs> is our is the reluctant leader of the group. Um, he would prefer to just be a normal 13-year-old to 16-year-old. They don't get into the ages a whole lot for the sake of an- anonymity. Um, mm-hmm. He would, you know, just wants to make the basketball team, listen to Nine Inch Nails, and forget the whole thing in the construction side ever happened. Um, and yes, the Nine Inch Nails is a very specific <laughs> reference that comes Good. up in the book. <laughs> it, was, it was 1996. It so. was 1996. Um, that is, at least until he discovers that his brother Tom is controlled by the Yerks and is what they have affectionately called controllers. So Jake is now sworn to free his brother and ensure that no one is enslaved to the Yerks. How does he find that out? I um, So, I don't get into this a whole lot in this because it ends up not being super important. To an early method of the Yerks to infiltrate human society is to start this weird self-help cult called the Sharing Herbalife, <laughs> and his brother, his brother is a high. So like, the, you know, they invite people, and in, it's kind of Scientology esque. And his brother mm-hmm. is a high-ranking member of the Sharing. Okay, so he gets in his brother's downline and got it. Yes. Yeah. Second question: So the Yerks have to live. I have to go back to the the drowning pool for after three days. Yes. Thanks, Todd. Um, yeah, that was nice. The Yerks have to go back to the Yerk pool after three days. How do they maintain control of these hosts? Um, so the Yerk pool is this big underground facility, and they they have a whole system in place where the we'll get into what the other aliens are, but the Yerks have another alien species they're currently controlling that are bigger and stronger than humans, but not nearly as numerous. So they use these bigger, stronger aliens to kind of lock, you know, shuttle the empty human away while the Yerk is feeding and then bring them back out and force them in the water. Gotcha. Um, uh, But that's, that's what it is that you, the, the Yerk leaves, they throw, they lock you up. They carry you back out. The yerk enters, and you go back home. <laughs> the whole process takes sure an hour or two. <laughs> it's efficient. It's efficient. Yeah, they're an efficient species. The yerks. Um. So our next our next animorph is Rachel, um, our our barbarian queen. She is Jake's cousin. She is one hundred percent a knockoff of Sarah Michelle Gellar's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Except Rachel actually enjoys the fights she gets into, and um, just just loves fighting. She really found her calling with defending Earth from an alien invasion. Because um, every battle she gets into, she is just having the time of her life. Um, it's weird. She, yeah, it's it's pretty weird, but there, are, hmm. it, but but that's what it is. 
Um, so she's very loyal, quick to rush in, um, easily the strongest one in a fight. She always picks a very strong animal to morph into as opposed to like stealthy or, or quiet. Um, and I have, she's the captain of the cheer squad. That is incorrect. She is captain of the gymnastics team. Um, at least until saving the earth gets her kicked off the squad. Oh, but she no. doesn't really care that much. I'm glad you got that cannon locked in here because that's like, it's crunchy enough that our, our listeners are going to want to know. Yeah. I didn't want to have to publish that errata later. Yeah. We would have been flamed for that. Um, if I got that wrong. So I'm, I'm glad we got it. Um, so we move on and by the way, guys, so the books all take place from a different Animorphs point of view. Book one is Jake. Book two is Rachel. Um, the the order we're going in is the order the books cycle through um, for the for the most part. So when we get to like book 30, are we still just like hopping around from yeah. Animorph to Animorph? Wow. 100%. Is it the person on the cover? Yeah. It is always the person on the okay. cover. Okay, well, at least that makes Wild. sense. Um, so we move on to Tobias or Hawk guy. Um, he is, he is the outsider of the group. He is the outsider at school and the outsider at life living with his single mom. Tobias was new to school when Rachel offered kind of the rest of the group to help walk him home that night from the mall. He's quiet, a loner, you know, just he's, he's the poor, the poor, nice kid, the dot TM. Like that's, that's his stereotype. Uh, the interesting thing about Tobias is that in their very first attack on the Yerkpool, the end of book one, he overstays the time limit. You can stay in a morph and gets trapped as a hawk. So, I remember that. I remember that, yeah. Dislodging chunks of my memory. There's a two-hour time limit that you can stay in a in a morph before you get stuck in it, and Tobias passes that time limit as a hawk. And so for the rest of the book series, he is a hawk. The entire time I read this thing, I always, in my 10-year-old brain, called him Tobias. And then I saw the Nickelodeon show, and they said Tobias, and I was floored. <laughs> That's um, you, you had a similar experience to Harry Potter readers when they yes. finally pronounced Hermione's name in book yeah. four. <laughs> like, oh. It wasn't Hermione. Yeah. J- jokes on you, nerds. If you listen to the audiobook, you knew how to pronounce it the whole time. No one asked, Matt. <laughs> um, so got him. So from 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 Tobias, we move on to Cassie. Um, Cassie is our our resident tree hugger and kind of serves as the animal Pokedex for the book. She's series. the horse girl. She's the, she's horse, the horse girl, girl right? Yeah, yeah. She's every, Rachel's every best friend. Every '90s young adult novel needs a horse girl. That's yeah, right. she's Rachel's best friend. Uh, very very gentle. The closest thing the group has to a pacifist or a conscience sometimes which does come up a lot in a series involving slavery, war, espionage, and genocide. She is the daughter of two veterinarians who both work at the zoo and operate a wildlife rehabilitation center, which makes coming in contact with animals very convenient for mm. um, the other members of the Animorphs. And as I said, she's kind of the like, well, we should go with hawks because they can see for for two miles, like, she, she knows everything about animals and is always ready to recommend the right morph for the mission. <laughs> the right morph for the mission is a really good it's, statement. Is there a better way to say it? I don't nope. think there is. There um, is she, also, she also ends up having the weird, the weird books in the series. She's more, 
more talented at morphing than the other four or five. So she she ends up just having weird, very heady books in the series. And it's fun. We move then on to Marco, the group buddy, the class clown, the comic relief. Um, he is the best friend to Jake um, and kind of the guy that always jumps in at the end of a conversation and reminds them, or we could all horribly die and Earth will lose and and all our family and friends will be enslaved by the Yerks. So he's somehow both the comic relief and the downer of the group. He is ready to quit in book five when he learns his um, long-believed dead mom is actually the host to Visser One, the highest-ranking Yerk and leader of all all the invasion forces of the Yerk Empire. Man. Wow, that's dark. Jesus. That's it's, a pretty cool yeah. reveal, though. It's real dark. Yeah, but that and was in book five. Like, somebody book somebody had to grab Marco by the shoulders and be like, listen, buddy, you got 49 books left. You got to get your <laughs> fucking game. <laughs> well, and, you got to rally right and the now. Thing, and the thing there is, I don't, I'm pretty sure he doesn't tell anyone for, like, 12 to 20 more books. Like, he keeps that secret to himself for a while until they run into Visser 1 again, and they're like, hey, let's not kill her. She's my mom. Jeez. It's, a, it's amazing how close this is analogous to the Power Rangers, because you've, you've just introduced the Red Ranger, Pink Ranger, Blue Ranger, <laughs> Yellow Ranger, and Black Ranger in that order. Yeah, the five-party the five trope mm, yeah. is very easy to map onto a lot of different series, and yeah. Animorphs is no exception. And when we get into some of the like some of the book plots, um, Animorphs does not really hide that it is stealing things from everywhere else in pop culture at the time. So it's it it takes a lot of work to write fifty four books with or all original sure content. <laughs> and you have to borrow that from somewhere. And then we we round out our group with our sixth member who joins us eight books in, and he is Axe or. Maximili Eskaruth Istvil, <laughs> an Andalite candidate okay. who is found in an underwater book in, in an underwater dome eight books in. You had the same change in tone and voice between Axe and then whatever you just said as me last week between like my Pittsburgh accent and my not Pittsburgh accent. <laughs> you just dropped into a character when you said that whole name. I I have to like rattle it off all at once because it's still somehow in my muscle memory. But I couldn't, like, give you a phonetic breakdown of how to pronounce that name. It's like tying your shoes, because if you slow down, you might get it wrong. Yes, exactly. Would, would, you, say, would you say that this sixth character that came later, uh, they originally thought might be a villain, uh, but <laughs> was using otherworldly powers that came from the sea, but went on to be kind of like a group de facto leader? Maybe. And I has would not. a dagger that's what... also a pan. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't... Oh, is that it's the green, the green white ranger? Yep. He is not. Um, <clears throat> Axe. So Axe is um, Elfanger's brother. They find him in a dome underwater. That is like the only way I can describe it is Sandy's tree dome in SpongeBob. They are <laughs> perfect. The same exact thing. So he's brother of Elfangor. He joins the team and immediately swears fealty to Jake calls him Prince Jake the rest of the series at the the behest of Jake. Jake hates this and um, just could not be a more like 
loyal, helpful Andalite to have on your team. Um, he lives out in the woods with Tobias, so Tobias and Axe don't have to live alone. And he's he's he also just kind of as, exists as the alien exposition dump. If Cassie's the animal exposition dump, Axe is the one to be like, well, actually, the Yerks need to do this and this and this, and just kind of hand wave over any of those questions they have. Um, he is also, because Andalites do not have a sense of taste, horribly addicted to Cinnabon. Um it, I mean, I do have a sense of taste, and I thoroughly enjoy Cinnabon. So yeah. imagine how much you love Cinnabon, but you've never tasted anything in your life, and can all of a sudden taste things. It's a whole joke at the end of the series that when the war is over, Earth's uh, Andalites tour Earth to taste things. Um, <laughs> nice. So it's, can't, yeah. can't do that these days. That didn't mm. hold up well. No. <laughs> can't, can't go around licking stuff. That's a bad... There is a there is a plot point that we get to later <laughs> that we'll get to kind of early on that is uh, a little dicey here in March 2020, but we'll we'll blow right through it and it'll be fine. So, before we dive into the story, do we have any questions? Anything we want to clarify? Anything I probably should have talked about and answered already? I, I just want to take this dirty plunge into a yurt pool kyle let's do it i want what todd said to be my new ringtone that is all <laughs> <laughs> who uses ringtones still uh yurt pool is my favorite rage against the machine album there, there it is all right there we go so while the 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 story of the animorphs the the 16s happens over a three-year span in the late 90s they are just the tail end to the decades-long Andalite-Yurk War. So, I will first catch you up on the last 30 or so years, I guess 40 or so years now, here in Please 2020, <laughs> of, of an intergalactic interspecies war. Okay. <laughs> so in the early 60s, Earth time, an Andalite prince named Ciro explored the Yurk homeworld um, felt sorry for them in their small slug-like slug state and showed them the marvels of technology, um, numerous incredible species that exist across the universe, and gave them access to six um, spacecraft capable of intergalactic travel. They violated the Prime Directive. They violated the Prime Directive real hard. Wait, um, question. Um, the Yurks are like senseless slugs in a pool, right? And, and this Andalite goes to this planet and finds senseless slugs in a pool and is like, how about some spaceships? You guys want spaceships? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds yes. like it. Okay. Yes. He slapped the top of the planet and said, so, I can fit so many spaceships in here. <laughs> so, the, there does exist a species on the Yurk home planet called Geds that um, do seem to only exist to be hosts to the Yurks. They are very, described as clumsy, three-legged monkeys. Um, they're not ideal. They can't really see. They have to, like, shamble around. Um, so when a this fit centaur-looking alien comes to their planet and shows them all these other species they can inhabit, the Yurks get pretty thirsty. So the Yurks use these six ships, very quickly kick the Andalites off their planet, develop weapons of their own, and spacecraft of their own and take off looking for one of these 
spe- in, it, one of these alien species to enslave. Fortunately for the Andalites, the species near the Yurk homeworld aren't much better than those Geds that exist on their home planet. So, like, for the start of it, they they killed some Andalites and, and explored their little solar system, but didn't get very much further than that. However, time progresses, and in, it is what, in what is 1968 on Earth, uh, Ciro, now not a high-ranking Andalite official and just a research, assi- research, as- research scientist, wow, I can't talk, um, takes his family to investigate another new planet they've discovered, which ends up being the homeworld of the Hork-Bajir. Readers of the book... <laughs> so stupid. Readers of the book know the Hork-Bajir to be kind of the, the shock troops of the Yurk invasion. They're these seven-foot-tall, bladed, like, very muscular, quick aliens. Um, they, they Let me drop a picture in the group chat for you once I find my... My Hork Bajir page. Oh, they look like the uh, the serpent men in Dark Souls. Yeah, they're they're very serpentine. I need very... a, a third reference that is not what you said or what Andrew said to understand. They're a little more bird like. They're like um. They look like something you'd see in Monster Hunter. Yeah. Like um. The... There. It should be should be in the chat now in the notes now, Todd. For those of you playing at home, just look up Hork Bajir Chronicles. <laughs> yeah. They're big reptilian bladed oh, monsters ooh, like yeah like could only be described as a as a monster they've got they got some killer abs they got got killer abs um so the the thing about the hork bajir is even though they look like horrible killing machines they are also they're actually a very peaceful tree harvesting species um those blades they're covered in are for harvesting bark that they eat and not for in any way for self-defense or for killing pl- prey. Um, so they live on this home world that is just covered in these massive, super sequoia-sized trees. Um, and their whole society exists around cultivating and caring for these trees. They're also very dumb. They're very, <laughs> very... Like, like imagine talking to a toddler, and that's about how smart a Hork-Bajir is. Sure. They're the, they're the grunt race. They're the grunt mm-hmm. race. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a whole lot of other story in this book that we're di- that isn't pertinent to the rest of this episode, but it is w- one of those books that I read until it literally fell apart. Ciro's, Ciro the Andalite, his daughter, Aldrea, makes the best of her situation on this strange planet and befriends the Hork-Bajir. She learns that the Andalites suspect the Yurks are coming to the Hork-Bajir planet, to, to seek them out as their next hosts, as they are dangerous, plentiful, and simple-minded enough that a takeover should be pretty quick and easy. And they're eldritch horrors of monsters. And, like. and they're, they're monsters that would make killing other species easier. Aldrea goes to her father and the Andalite High Command to tell them, like, hey, maybe we should arm these Hork-Bajir and warn them of this coming invasion so that they can defend themselves. However... After Ciro fucked up the Yurks, the Andalites have outlawed sharing any of their technology with any other species. So that so helping the, the Hork-Bajir in that way would be a big no-no. That seems like a reasonable response for how well it right. went the last time. Yeah. 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 
not un- ununderstandable, but kind of backed themselves into a corner. Yeah, kind of like a knee jerk, like, oh, it, it went wrong once. Yeah. Um, this does make uh, Elfangor giving the Animorphs their powers kind of an illegal defying act, defiant act of a dying Andalite general to put some more context on that earlier story beat. But I question, digress. question. Yes. So just to be clear, the fact that he's his name is Prince Alfangor does not in, does not imply that he's actually royalty. Prince is not a a royal term in the Andalite command chain. It is a it's another name for it's what they call their generals basically. That's needlessly confusing. Yeah, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So it, he, these are all generals. When I throw out prince, swap in general and you'll have the right headspace. Sure. So um, the daughter of Ciro wants to arm the Hork-Bajir. Andalites made that illegal, so they're they're done with her. Um, the Andalite prince in charge of colonizing the Hork-Bajir world, um, his name is Prince Alaron, um, and that he does come back later, uh, then reveals that he would rather see a species wiped out entirely than added to the Yurk forces, and reveals his plan to release a genocidal virus specifically target designed to target Hork-Bajir called the quantum virus and unleash it on this planet so that the Hork-Bajir do not fall to the Mm. Yurks. Um, the rest of the Andalite high command all kind of support this. They also don't want to see the Yurks get stronger, thus kind of dooming the Hork-Bajir to extinction. And, and I'm sorry, the Andalites are the good guys in this? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) yeah okay um that's one thing i really like what i really picked up on in the book is like everyone is kind of shades of gray except our our six heroes here so spunky mm -hmm. teens except our spunky teens um so aldrea enacts some kind of plan to try to stop the release of the virus and fight the yurks off on her own however that doesn't work the virus does get released uh, dooming the Hork-Bajir to extinction. The Andalite forces leave, and any re- surviving Hork-Bajir fall to the Yurks and become the 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 Yurks win and end up controlling the the remaining Hork-Bajir. The only thing that happened here is like enough of them got wiped out that it wasn't the perfect solution the Yurks were looking for. Um, only there were only a thousand thousands or so Hork-Bajir left when they need an entire population worth. So, from that happy stand, happy beat, we jump ahead to the late 70s on Earth. <laughs> so, like, 10 years? <laughs> give take, right? Give take 10 years. Cool. 10 year time jump. Um, a young Elfangor is sent with his uh, partner to rescue two humans that had been captured by a scavenger race, the Skritna. So if you think Elfangor is kind of at the beat cop point in his career, they they get sent out <laughs> sure. to do that kind of work in the, ga- in the in the galaxy. Um, the Skritna are a alien ra- uh, scavenger alien race, as I said. Um, their ships had crashed on Earth in the late fifties and became the basis for the flying saucers and greys um, that are so prevalent in. American pop culture today. So the Skritna are what, of course, are our model on Earth for 
an alien. That's kind of a cool way to tie that in. I like that a lot. Isn't that yeah? yeah. Isn't that fun? Mm-hmm. You know, they 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 board the ship. Elfanger boards the ship of the Skritna and finds a MacGuffin called the Time Matrix, which does all kinds of weird time things. It's it's a MacGuffin, and he decides, hey, this this is a little out of my pay grade, and takes the ship, the two humans, and the MacGuffin to the closest high-ranking Andalite, now War Prince Alarin. The guy from before who um, genocided an entire uh, who genocided an entire planet. Yes, um, War Prince is a is a rank up from Prince, but he is also at the same time kind of disgraced from his hand because of his handling of the Hork Bajir situation. So this is like this is like the Junker guys from Guardians of the Galaxy taking the humans to Ronan the Accuser. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah. One, good. Good anchor to latch onto there. That tracks very well. So Prince Aller, War Prince Alarin, uh, being disgraced, is now kind of assigned to protecting the the Taxon homeworld. And let me send you a picture of the Taxons here, <laughs> which is a a failing mission because the Taxons only have one thing on their oh it's a link well there's a link to a taxon <laughs> well uh as usual Ooh, dear, we will include all these images in oh the this is a nightmare yeah. yeah we'll we'll certainly include these um hey. let's talk about this this fucking thing this got lobster claws lobster uh, claws so the taxons, it's got a, a butt mouth it does so the taxons are a centipede type centipede-esque race they sure um, are that, that only have one one driving force in their life, and that is satiating their insatiable hunger. Do you guys think, like, if Kirby was drawn, like, in in his real form? Yeah. Like? yeah. That's, that's what happens if Kirby yeah. is actually, like, inside out. <laughs> no, this yeah. is what I imagine happens if you de-skin a Yoshi. Oh, man. <laughs> Please, Kyle, go. So they're, like, 9 to 12 foot long gigantic centipedes except half of those legs are lobster claws instead as andrew said they have like a butt mouth that's just full of teeth with a a nasty tongue slip slipping out it is the other alien species the yurks have taken over because when they showed up on the planet and found that the the taxons only wanted to eat they were like hey join up with us we'll give you more food and the taxons were like good enough for us take us over Predator uh, handshake, they moved on. Yeah. yeah. So so Alarin is kind of tasked with stopping this invasion that the Taxons want to happen anyway. So he's given like the go out to the middle of nowhere, don't cause any trouble job for the for the Andalites. Things go south on the Taxon homeworld. Home and one of those two humans that had been captured, he tries to save himself by turning himself over to the Yurks. Telling them about Earth, this planet with billions of able-bodied hosts for them to to take over, and kind of hopes that they will be reasonable and spare him and go off to Earth. They take control of that guy and learn all the secrets about Earth, and the new Yurk plan is head to Earth. They're, they're like, cool, this is great. Seven billion humans, they aren't nasty, disgusting centipede lobsters. We're we're here for it. Prince Alarin, in in a in a tough spot, turns to genocide again, 
and tells Elfangor <laughs> should not be the go-to solution. Song. <laughs> um, yeah. Tells Elfangor about his plan to just basically destroy the Yurk pools on the Tax and Homeworld so that this information can't get off the planet. Elfangor's like, "Hey, that's killing hundreds of thousands of defenseless sentient beings. Maybe don't." They get in a fight. Elfangor knocks out Prince Alarin, who falls into a Yurk pool allowing him to be taken control by the Yurk that was in the human that betrayed himself and now is Visser 3. Visser 3. Yeah, mm. All right. These, yeah, these guys have big Kree energy. Yeah. yeah. It's it's very is... much the Captain Marvel story. Yeah. So, yeah, you're, you're, not, you're not wrong. So, Alfangor restrains his, uh, the new, this new Andalite controller who will be Visser 3, but is some other rank at this time. I'm just going to keep referring to him as Visser 3. So restrains him, restrains the human that betrayed them, and begins his trip to the Andalites to kind of tell them everything that just happened. Um, when Sorry, quick question. Go ahead. Yep. Do we find out, because they, they're on like the Taxon planet right now, right? Yeah. So do we find out slash does it matter how slash why there are humans on the Taxon planet. It's just these two. Uh-huh. And and it's because they, they were way they were with they were in the same ship as the MacGuffin. Yeah. And Alfangor just didn't take them home first. Okay, got it. Cool. So he's like, MacGuffin's way more important than getting you two home. We're all going here. Sure. And then we'll and they're like, it. cool with it, I guess. They, uh, no, <laughs> that's why this guy turned himself into the Yurks and he's like mm. he's like, I want to go home. This guy's not taking me home. You guys might. I'll take my chances with you. And it ends up bad for everybody. Got it. Okay, cool. Thank you. Um, there is another... The The other human with them is is a woman named Lauren. She hasn't done much yet, um, but she will... Is that Marco's a, mom? What? Is that Marco's mom? Is that Marco's mom? No comment. <laughs> I'll it. It's super yep, is. God, I plead the fifth. Um, yep. So... Um, as Elfangor is taking his captives and um, refugees back to the Andalites to tell them what's going on, his ship gets caught in the gravitational field of a black hole, and they can't escape. So they are. Oh no! They are, yeah. <laughs> so they are being pulled <laughs> into this um, black hole when the when Visser Three points out, like, "Hey, you've got this MacGuffin on board." It's called the Time Matrix. I bet it would do something that'll get us out of this awful situation we're in. Press the red button. So Elfangor, Visser 3, and Lauren all go to use the Time Matrix at the same time. A whole bunch of crazy sci-fi bullshit happens that (laughs) (laughs) ultimately isn't important, but ultimately results with Elfangor hiding on Earth with Lauren. Um, he has now willingly kind of locked himself into a human form. And Visser 3 escaping and going back to the Yurks to tell them about Earth and ranking up to Visser 3. Is Elfangor Marco's dad? Shut up. Quit asking. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. I've, I've read ahead in the notes a little bit. He's Just give not. It a second. You're wrong, but you're close. 
It's um, his uncle that comes around sometimes when dad's out of town. <laughs> oh man, wait, so this is like into the Spider-Verse? <laughs> just well, well you're all you're all getting like two paragraphs ahead of me. Just just wait. We'll get there, I promise. So Elfangor goes to live on Earth as Alan Fangor. That's the part <laughs> I read ahead to. Oh man. <laughs> That's so stupid. Oh, which no. uh, which is very oh, stupid shit. and it is only included in this podcast because of how stupid it is. Thank um, you for that. Yep, yeah. yeah, I appreciate knowing that. Um and he is he he marries Lauren and and tries to live the best possible human life as he can, just kind of hoping the Yurks never make their way to Earth. I imagine this is like a an octodad situation. <laughs> <laughs> I like these potatoes for my human mouth. <laughs> human human music. So he finds work as a as a like computer scientist in the early eighties, so like being weird isn't a deal breaker in that okay. job. Fair um enough. and it's like canon in this in in the Animorph story that he like uses his advanced Andalite knowledge to advance human computer technology way beyond where it would be if he didn't get a job at early apple or whatever not apple they call it um but uh, so like that's a whole that's a whole thing and things are going pretty well when he is met by the elemist a benevolent omniscient omnipotent being who i will also refer to as space god um (laughs) who tells him that like the 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 time stuff they did to escape the black hole um, allowed Visser 3 to escape and advance to the Yurks, and they are on their way to Earth, and he is the only one who can stop them, but he can't really do that as a human. So the Illimist offers to undo the last three years, restores Elfanger to his Andalite form, and returns him to the Andalite fleet, erasing any memory of him on Earth. Elfangor kind of reluctantly agrees before the Elemist reveals that Lauren is pregnant with a baby who would become Tobias of the Animorphs. Ah. Um, and Tobias. As Tobias. Tobias, yeah. Um, so Elfangor mm. returns to the Andalites, fails to stop the Yurks from re- reaching Earth, and stop me if you've heard this one, crash lands huh. in a construction site, breaks the sacred laws of his people to give five Earth teenagers the ability to absorb and morph into a, other species, and then dies at the hands of Visser Three. Okay. Hmm. Now, obviously, none of that happened. So you said the, the books of what I remember and from what you said, they tell the story from the perspective of the spunky teens. Yes. Um, obviously, none of that happened from the perspective of the spunky teens. Yes. When did we get that context? Like in the in the stories as they happened, like it feels when... very retconned is what <laughs> yeah, I think is yeah. what you're implying. Yeah. So so these books came out interspersed in the main series as okay. um, f- the first one, the story of Elfangor came out first was um, the Andalite Chronicles which I believe is the one Andrew was talking about when he bailed on the series as a whole. Yeah. Um, and then the second one came out a few, a little, did it come out after? Yeah, I think it came out after, and it's called the hork Brigier Chronicles, both of which are, like, framed in the story. Uh, the Andalite Chronicles is framed as Elfangor, like, telling his life story to the computer as he, before before the Animorphs come up to meet him for the very first time. And... 
the hork Chronicles happens as two freed hork later tell Tobias kind of stories of their ancestors. So it's... Mm-hmm. It all is framed in the book, but it happens outside the main series. Gotcha. I think if I remember, this is this is roughly like halfway through the series. About halfway, about, about halfway yeah. through the series is when they started adding kind of all this exposition dump and backstory. Well, it's cool that it was cool. more of like a a filler mid series and like a spinoff than it was. Yeah. Okay, the series is over. We need to squeeze some more money out of this IP. Let's uh, let's write yeah. some more shit. Yeah. Yeah. It it. It's definitely like you can finish the 54 books without this information, but it helps flesh out some of the things that happen in the 54 books after this. Right on. Yeah. I do like that. It implies that there was some level of intent. Like it's, you could knowing that information, like, well, I guess, okay. So did Elfangor remember his time on earth? Yes. So he remembered his time on earth. He's heartbroken over all this. And the Illamist even tells him Lauren is pregnant Mm -hmm. and, Elfanger's like, no, then I don't want to abandon my son. I need to go back. And the Illamist is like, no, like, I've seen how this plays out. You yeah. need to leave. He will become one of the resistance. That's that what I was going to say. So it's to... like, it, it makes it seem a little less chaotic. Like, it yes. wasn't just five teams that happened to teams that happened to be there. Like, he knew what yeah. he was doing. Yeah, he, he knew he had to go to that abandoned construction site. Yeah. Um, that day kind of thing so because <laughs> the uh, the alternative to that is that he's laying on the ground of this construction site like man fingers crossed for seal team six, <laughs> seal team yeah. six. gotta be oh spunky teens damn it yeah um so those are all those all happen in the auxiliary books um it's the background it's like the build-up to the again the last three years of this war that all take place in the 54 main series books uh the regular series of books all kind of take a monster of the week approach. You know, you can you can jump in and read one book in the middle of the series without reading the rest. And you might not know everything that's going on, but you'll get the gist that they're fighting an invading force and and the story is all usually pretty self-contained in that one book. The thing that I liked about the series, and I think it does very well, um, is that not every one of the 54 books ends with yay we won a victory for team animal oh well that's cool yeah so sometimes so they are young adult books and they do end on like a quote-unquote positive resolution but sometimes the only victory in the book is that all six made it home alive with their secret identities intact Um, okay (laughs) often they often they have a mission that they go out to to do that would be a a huge blow for the Yerks and they fail and all they can hope to do from that point on is get home, not reveal the secret of the invasion and make it back alive. So it's, it's interesting. There's like, there's, it's a, it's a pretty deep series for being a book series aimed at 10 to 12 year olds. So this whole, this whole thing has the the flavor of like, we have to fight this battle, but also we can't let anybody on Earth know that this battle is going on. Am I reading that right? Yes. Yeah, they still have to study for math, their math tests. And, and then they have to yep. go, then they have to pass the midterm on okay, Friday. Okay, cool, yes. sure. Um, the, the logic behind not letting the secret get out is that the Yerks are also trying to keep, it, keep the invasion secret. 
So once the humans know about it, everything escalates that much faster. Whereas while it's still a secret, they maybe can put a lid on it and contain it before it blows Got it. up. Well, it's like isn't it? It's like the scree- the Korean skull scrawl proxy war because it's like anybody could be a scrawl. Yes. Anybody could be a year. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Very. You 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 made a very good connection with the 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 Cree and the scrawls. So. We're now into like the main series, and I won't take you through each individual book because there is a lot of filler <laughs> because they did have to crank out one book a month for four and a half years. Wow. But I'll take you through some of the highlights. But I'm going to take a quick break <laughs> nice. so we can pee, get drinks. Um, and when I come back, I will answer your guys' questions, and we will move into some of the more interesting plots from the main book series. Hey, this is Nate from the New Entertainment System Podcast, a show where we use a robot to randomize subjects, styles, and twists to design just two of the over 20 million games that the robot is capable of thinking of. A Halo dating simulator for VR headsets, a Cooking Mama stealth game that uses the NES zapper, anything is possible. So join me, my co-host Cam, and a guest from the games industry, games journalism industry, or games podcast scene every Monday for a new episode of the New Entertainment System Podcast. Search for it in your favorite podcast app. All right, we're back. You guys will see that I have dropped two more pictures into the notes. Um, those are Andalites and Yurks, respectively. I realized I hadn't shared those pictures with you guys. Oh, they look like nightmares. And yeah. Specifically, I'm referring to what is supposed to be the protagonist of this story. Yes. I, oh. The the human hands. I think in, in <laughs> I don't <laughs> like it. I'm having a lot of problems with the human hands. On the human ha- hands and like the the like sixth ab muscle there as it becomes a horse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's all very upsetting. If it were a normal horse, that would be its neck, but it's not, <laughs> so it's his abs. And, and why do they need the antennae? Like, why? They have eyes. They definitely have eyes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I missed that in my initial description. They have four. They have four eyes. Two sets of eyes. Normal human eyes, and then the weird Ugh. googly antenna eyes. And they have these like weird like gills for noses and. Of course, it should be noted that they have no ma- they they have no mouths and therefore must scream. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they have no mouths, so therefore must speak telepathically. Uh, Andrew, specific question because I think you are the only person that this will be relevant to. But this is for somebody listening to this podcast who's from the same part of Western Pennsylvania that I am. Um, have you ever been to Pymatuming, Andrew? Does I that haven't, mean but my friends used to go. Okay, so this picture that you put in here of what I assume are the Yerks looks exactly like the spillway at the Pymatuming Reservoir in Pymatuming, Pennsylvania. Is it full of slugs all the time? It is. So it is literally full pass capacity of carp, and they oh. crawl all over each other and oh. suck air, and people feed them stale bread, and it makes a noise that I cannot describe to the rest of the human existence. Like, it only exists... The, the only thing that makes these this noise are the carp in Pymatuming, Pennsylvania. You can Google image search it. I checked <laughs> and it will show you disgusting yeah, things. So so specifically, this is a, a picture of Yerks in the like main Yerk pool. On in a Yerk pool? Is, yeah. Matt, I've never heard the noise you're describing, but it sounds like something that haunts my dreams. It's very upsetting. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's what, like, it's what like seeps in during the night. 
that like turns dreams into horrifying na- oh yeah God, that image and and you're um, not far off matt because the the yerk pool is always described as like the seething body of water that's just got like these slugs flipping in and out of it all the time i'm i'm, so I'm having a hard time with this kyle can you tell me about good things that are listen, listeners listeners just picture in your mind a a carp filled um river or stream water or basin like, yeah yeah so so i do i do want to get into like some some specific book plots that i found interesting and felt the need to share but before i do that do you guys do i need do you guys have any questions any anything i need to clear up um no, how are i we, mean as as complicated as this is it's actually not yeah <laughs> like yes yeah. okay it's a very simple story but with very very unnecessary complex, uh, complexly names, named yeah. set pieces that we move yeah. through okay yeah okay we're all good so far okay so the first five books of the series kind of it's one from each of the five Animorphs' point of view, just basically them learning how to use their morphing abilities, dealing do they with... Call, do they call themselves the Animorphs? They do 100% call themselves the Animorphs. Do um, they say it's morphin' time? They do, do not they say, ever say it's morphin' time, time and don't, don't ever say it's morphing time. I think they might later on in the series joke about how they might have said it's morphin' time at one point, but don't mm-hmm. anymore. Is it ever covered why them changing into animals is going to save the human race, or is it just like it's just, just kind of just is? It's that yeah. it's that because like spunky teens with a special power, you're yeah. the only you're our only hope kind well, of. Well, like because we have guns, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like guns exist. Yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> and and the Andalites do have like advanced laser guns that could be used but no they, it's it's do. five five or six teens as animals is All the right. best hope and it's never really delved into more than that so so we go through the first five books we all learn what we're deal like what they're dealing with balancing being a a resistance fighter to this alien invasion with um you know making the gymnastics team tryouts on friday it the first five <laughs> books are all kind of that Ending with book five, which is where Marco learns his mother is still alive and, and Visser won. So from there, we'll kind of jump through some of the better books, um, which does start with book six, where Jake gets taken captive. I don't really remember how this, like the contrivance they, they that happens to allow it, but he gets taken captive by the Yurk that controls his brother. Um, causing the rest of the Animorphs to face this very real decision of like, do we kill our friend and th- and thirteen year old teammate, or let him take our secrets back to the Yurks? Um, it's very it, the whole story is told from Jake's point of view. Um, it de- that is the 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 book where I want to I keep wanting to say issue because it's kind of like that, but they're books. It feels very. I mean, these are mm-hmm. comic book stories. Yeah. So so. Yeah. so the whole issue goes like is from Jake's point of view and is like talking about what it's like having a yerk control your movements and just kind of sitting there as a bystander. Ultimately, the Animorphs are able to keep Jake and the yerk controlling him from getting back to the yerk pool. So the yerk 
dies in Jake's brain. Ugh. As this yerk is starving to death in, in Jake's brain, Jake is has this vision of a of a tentacle, a giant tentacle with a big red eye on the end of it, um, who we will later learn is the Cryak, a, male, a malevolent, omnipotent, omniscient being bent on eliminating life from the universe, um, locked in a war with the Illamist, and best to think of as the Space Devil. So we we actually do have Elder Gods. We have like space, that's an old one. We have Space God and Space Devil, yes. Wow. Wow. If you Google Anamorphs Cryak, the image search is upsetting. <laughs> Ooh, I, <laughs> I have not now. done this yet, actually, so we're gonna we're gonna take a brief intermission. <laughs> I don't like it very much. Very Ooh, weird. It's, it's, he is he is intended to Yeah, yeah. Yep. Very yep. That's Ten, an old one. Tentacle with an eye on it. I wasn't wrong. So yeah. Um, he's he's like our our bigger bad than Visser Three, um, the Illamist and the Cryak both kind of admit to pulling some strings in this in this intergalactic war, but um, through deals they have made with each other can't directly influence the outcome. It's hmm. important because we've got our we've got like what happens when a Yurk dies and the introduction of the Cryak. So we jump ahead to book ten. And the Animorphs meet the the Chi, an android race of um, who are programmed pacifists. Um, all of them centuries old, um, the relics of a long extinct uh, race of aliens that were also pacifists. Um, the Chi kind of act throughout the series as helpful do-gooders who will help the Animorphs. As long as none of the, the the actions of the chi directly result in anyone, yerk or otherwise, getting injured, they are such strict pacifists. They will not do, give. They will not provide information to the anamorphs if it means yerks will die, and that does actually prevent them from helping in future books. I want to get mad at it because it's so stupid, but then I realize it's a young adult's book. And yep. it's not worth getting mad at. Yep. There's a lot of there's a lot of stupid for the sake of stupid in this these books too. Um, the 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 chi also admit that their the race that created them also genetically engineered domestic dogs because why the hell not? <laughs> this is sure. like some some J.K. Rowling like oh, shit. God. <laughs> I just like I don't remember any of this, and I know that I read all these books. <laughs> um, so we'll we'll jump ahead to book thirteen, where the Elamist allows Tobias to visit himself the night before the construction site, um, and kind of offers him this chance to like dip out, like warn his past self, like hey, don't go out tomorrow night, um, just stay in. To kind of remove himself from the fight, get to stay human, live a normal, unknowing, happy life. Um, but Tobias decides not to do that, stays as a hawk, and absorbs his human form from himself before going back to his own time timeline, now regranted the ability to morph by the Illamist. That's cool. It <laughs> kind of hand waves how Tobias is able to be included in missions as the series yeah. progresses. Yeah. Um, and is just some of the the weirdness I felt to include in the story. Um, two questions. 
Two quick questions. Well, I guess not questions, more statements. Statement one is that uh, my brain thought of the Megadeth song, Sweating Bullets, and the line, hello me, it's me again. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, uh, And also the line from that song that's, hello me, it's me from the future. Um, But my other thing is like, so, so did Tobias go back in time and absorb his human form thus allowing him to morph from a hawk to a human. So like, can he only stay a human for two hours and then he goes back to being a hawk? You got it. Well, that is, I got so it. Tobias is tra- still trapped as a hawk and lives out in the woods with ax as a hawk, but can now transform so he can go on <laughs> missions and like can turn into his human self. So he can like sometimes be a normal dude, but actually just prefers being a hawk most of the time. He's the dude disguised as a dude who's playing another dude. 100%. I do I do very much remember about reading about Tobias, learning about the intricacies of air travel uh, because this book spent a lot of time talking about currents and thermals and yes. how oh. like how planes fly and yes. how ships are able to move through the wind. Yeah, so like half to a third to half of every book is like encyclopedia entries about how animal birds facts. fly. It was animal, animal facts. facts. And yeah, yeah 100%. So like, like, this is how I knew that the peregrine falcon was the fastest yep. animal yep. on earth. Like, it was just that. It was like, we're going to teach you something, goddammit, even if it's like just surrounded in nonsense about aliens. And those, those animal facts are how I kept my parents buying me these books for. Th- four years so same. Um, I'm absolutely same but yeah it is like a good third of the book is animal facts it was the young adult version of the zoo books subscription <laughs> yes 100 yeah. like, these were secretly penned by jack Hanna. yep <laughs> i've met that man he's not writing real books <laughs> no, he's, he's probably not writing about a proxy war no he knocks back bud lattes he does not <laughs> he does not read books um, so we jump ahead to book 17, which I only included because Todd brought this up as his one memory of yep. the Animorphs. Um, there is the Animorphs plot to dump a bunch of instant oatmeal into the Yerk pool because it is a young adult novel. And the there is a secret ingredient in oatmeal, but only instant oatmeal and only maple and ginger flavor that Ooh. destroys the Yerk brain and like makes them unable to function. And that's a whole book <laughs> devoted yeah. to that weird plot. And then it's I forgotten specifically forever. remember that that episode that I watched where they were throwing water balloons of oatmeal. And I yeah. remember being a child of being like, how did you fill those balloons up with chunky yeah. oatmeal? <laughs> that's the unbelievable part in this moment. Man, that show, I do remember that show. And I remember it being very not good. The the there was a there was, in fact, a Nickelodeon Animorphs show that aired on the ozone set of programming that was aimed at <laughs> uh young teens and it yeah. was in fact very very bad i think it i i vaguely recall i think it went alongside like drake and josh or something it was too early for drake and josh was i honestly it, early okay. it was it, i honestly yeah. don't remember what else was like was kind thinking, of programmed alongside it Nick. yeah Maybe. so this was like after snick had kind of run its course yeah. and they were looking for for something that would be aimed at at the the group that watched Keenan and Kel and Alex Mack, but didn't, but were struggling to find it. So, 
I looked and it ran from September 15th of 98 to October 8th of 99. Really? Yeah, didn't do very so, well. like, that's wow. a lot. That's Just longer than I thought it would, actually. I thought it had like six yeah. episodes yeah. and went away. So, well, and famously starring Sean Ashmore, who went on to be Iceman in the X Men movies. Famously yeah. starring Sean Famously. Ashmore. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the only thing I like. I remember when that when those movies came out, I'm like, that's fucking Jake from Animals. Yep. I, I 100% had that same train of thought yeah. as well all right so we'll go from book 17 to book 18 um where through a strange failure of the like morphing process the group ends up first teleported into the middle of the the deep space where they cannot breathe all right and then okay. they are saved and end up in contact by a telepathic frog race who are like the yurks are working on on the side of humans but like aren't as committed to taking over and again felt the need to share that because of how weird that plot line is i don't like i don't <laughs> like that i don't like that at all they're like going they, they they like set it up like they're going into a normal mission where they like they all transform into mosquitoes and are like trying to take a blood sample from somebody for some reason when halfway through that mission they all get teleported out into the middle of space and are on this new wild mission instead <laughs> and it's very bizarre and strange and it and again couldn't live my life without you also knowing that that happened uh. um shortly after book 18 i'm not sure the exact timeline because it's not a main series book but one of the megamorphs books uh they find themselves in the days leading up to the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs okay <laughs> <laughs> and there is nothing right. and like why not so so these megamorph books are like twice the size of a normal anamorph book they they jump perspective throughout the whole book so each chapter is told from an, a different anamorph's perspective instead of like the whole book being from one and they're all these kind of self-contained stories so that if you don't read them because you don't know they're part of the main series, you're not missing out on much. So they all go back in time to the to the end of the dinosaurs. They get to play around as dinosaurs for a little bit. Then the asteroid hits and they come back to our normal time. And that happened. Okay. <laughs> yep, exactly. So we'll move right on to book 19 because this is peak weird Animorphs time. Uh, where Cassie traps her, gets herself trapped in the in a caterpillar form, so she like overstays the time limit, gets trapped as a caterpillar, to experience what a hostless yerk experiences. She is a horse girl. She is a horse girl. Mm -hmm. um, this all happens because she like <laughs> she like gets stranded out in the woods with a, a yerk controlled human and like has this long conversation with with them and gets into this whole like don't judge us for taking over bodies when you don't know what it's like to live life without senses so she goes into a caterpillar to, got him that's to, actually yep. i mean that's actually kind of like oddly deep out of yeah, nowhere on right this. that's what i'm saying yeah so then as a caterpillar she like makes a cocoon transforms into a butterfly and um acts um expositions his way into the story and is like Oh, she morph. She's a new form. She can morph back into a human now. That's <laughs> some bullshit. And everyone continues living their life like none of that ever happened. 
Um, Except Tobias, who has been two-houring himself <laughs> as a human for ten books. Like, yo, what the hell? Yeah. Um, this this is the, the second or third in a continuing trend of the Cassie perspective books going through some weird stuff. Book 13 is another one that I don't fully understand, which is why I left it out, where she, like, has a bad reaction. To, she, like, has a, an allergic reaction to morphing into an alligator. Of course. And I remember that. I remember that. Oh, man, I remember that very specifically, <laughs> and I don't know why. Some got dislodged. And, like, throws up an entire alligator. And yeah. then that's the whole, that's the conflict for the book. Again, don't super remember it because it's super weird, but like Cassie led books have a tendency to be super weird and we'll we'll get to more of them. They're like Toby directed office episodes. Yes. They're just a little <laughs> bit weirder than you really want. <laughs> um from from book nineteen we move into books twenty through twenty-two, um, which is a one of the few like three book arcs in the story until the the end where like we hit book forty-five and it's just an arc till the end. Um but in books 20 through 22, we meet David, a real shithead. I think he's like supposed to be two, two or three years younger than the main group. But he is, is a new kid in town. He takes a shortcut home through the abandoned construction site and finds the morphing cube, like the cube that gave them their powers. Where it's and just been hanging out for the last 22 where it's books? just been chilling, unbeknownst to anyone, for the last 20 books. So in book 20, David tries to sell the cube on eBay, where Visser 3 buys it, meets up with him at his house, and a whole Animorphs fight happens at this this kid's house. Um, the Animorphs decide they need to like they need to recruit him rather than let him fall to the Yurks. So they now take on this this shithead on their team. At the same time, there is a uh, what is essentially a, a G7 convention happening in their hometown. So cool. world <laughs> leaders of, of several countries are in the area. The Yurks are targeting that. So they have to like simultaneously take on this new kid and stop the Yurks and unsurprised. Yeah, I have an idea. Call the police. <laughs> <laughs> Un unsurprisingly to everyone who has ever read books ever, David fucks that up. Um, by not wanting to take orders to Jake and just ruins the whole mm. mission. Then in book 22, David has gone completely rogue. He is like, I am not working for you. I'm not working for the Yurks. I'm just going to morph into whatever I want and live my life. And the, an and the Animorphs are like, no, you're not. So they go through this whole convoluted plot to get him trapped um, for longer than two hours as a rat. And leave him on a deserted island. That's kind of fucked up. Nice. It's super like, fucked up. Like nobody it, really deserves that. And that <laughs> book is from the point of view of Rachel, and it ends with her flying away from the island, hearing David's telepathic screams as oh, they all God. leave. Yeah. Oh, I hate that. Oh I yeah, hate because, that they a can, lot. because they can. Because they can. Because they can telepathy with each other. Um, David is the Balkan skull skull of this of this series. There you go. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what that is, but yes, the, the, Power the two idiots. Yeah, the two the two idiot bullies in Power Rangers. Oh, okay. 
I've never watched Power Rangers, so... Their names were Bulk and Skull. Kyle, it's understandable. It's only been on TV for 25 years. (laughs) (laughs) There are almost as many Power Rangers episodes as there are Animorphs books. (laughs) Power Rangers series, like seasons. (laughs) Yes. Um, So, so yeah, that, that whole arc ends with them leaving David on an island with a bunch of other rats and it's super dark and twisted and a thing I read when I was 12 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We will jump, we will, we'll, we'll jump to episode 24 or book 24 issue 24. However, we're chronolizing these. Um, And this is, I'm only including this because I, they they make some repeat appearances, and I made it Matt's uh, nickname for the episode. Book 24 is from Cassie's point of view, and an ant-sized race of aliens called the Helmicrons come after the Morphing Cube because they think it's a power source, and weird, shrinking shenanigans ensue. And they do a whole, like, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids book. And it's so popular, they do two more Honey, I Shrunk the Kids books later. (laughs) Of course course they do. It doesn't super advance the plot. It's just funny because the Helmicrons are tiny and super annoying, but also popular enough to warrant two more appearances. Book 25 has the Animorphs going to the Arctic to stop a Yerk plot to turn all swimming pools into Yerk pools. (laughs) just to remind you that this is a series aimed at young adults and we get silly plots like that from time to time and i just like what would my life have been if i read not these books (laughs) and read other things yeah like i don't know like cared more about school no but school's (laughs) terrible (laughs) instead of reading these Book 28, I am only including because it's a very 90s thing um, where they stop a Yerk plot to make humans more passive by introducing drugs into hamburgers. That involves a very graphic depiction of Axe morphed as a cow going through a meat processing facility. The first half of this sentence is like a Fox News byline. Yes, it's uh, it's 100% a thing Alex Jones has shouted into a microphone. It's also the plot of Good Burger. It is also yeah. the plot, it's of, also Good the plot of Good Burger. Yeah. You're not wrong. We're putting fluoride in your water. <laughs> Turn the frogs gay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a real thing said by a real man who makes real money yelling into a microphone. Oh, not well, anymore. That not, not much longer. Oh, yeah. I think he's still making money. Isn't he like in jail or something? He's he's still on trial. He's yeah. okay. he's making less money than he did, but. Well, that's not what we're talking that's about. That's my other podcast, but not here. <laughs> book 29 is another Cassie Does Weird Things book. Where, <laughs> here it comes. Uh, <laughs> where the, uh, the, other, the other five Animorphs all catch a disease, and to find the cure, Cassie has to morph into a Yerk, control a human body to go into a Yerk facility and, get the, and bring the cure back out. While staying six feet, at least six feet away from the rest of her team. While staying at least six feet away from the rest of her team. And and has to do it all under two hours so she can get out of this guy, poor guy's head and unmorph from a yerk. And now she's the dude disguised as a dude who's playing another dude. <laughs> exactly. It's incredible that it took them almost 30 issues to turn into a yerk. 
Like I think they yeah. were saving it. I feel like that's one they were like, we don't got a better idea this month. We have like four more books until the next major plot point happens. Mm-hmm. Now it's time to do the Yurk one. In case of sc- in case of summer vacation, break glass. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and yeah. it also it also feeds into the ongoing trend of Cassie having stranger books than everyone else. That brings us to Megamorphs three, which is a time caper that um, <laughs> brings back brings back the time matrix from the Andalite Chronicles. Um, and just has the Animorphs kind of time jumping around uh, to stop an agent of the Cryak from wrecking human history, making the Yerks' job of taking the humans over easier. It's it's very fun. It's another one of those books that I, I read it so many times it fell apart. And it's got this fun little plot point where... Uh, the Illamist warns them before they go on this time caper that if you do this, one of you must die because that was the agreement they made. So like two time jumps in, Jake gets killed, making all the other Animorphs somehow immortal for the rest of the time caper, <laughs> which lets all the shenanigans ensue. And it's very fun, and then they're able to undo it at the end, so Jake is still alive. So it it seems a like a real, like, like a loophole situation where, like, one of you must die, and then they just, like, pull a gun on Jake. <laughs> 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 and they're like, all right, we're invincible. Let's... I, and, like, I see your examples in here, Crossing of the Delaware and D-Day. Yeah, and so like... Jake Jake dies at the Crossing of the Delaware. He's, like, on the boat with George Washington and, and catches <laughs> well, a stray okay. bullet to the skull. <laughs> and so and so that's... I'm, I'm thinking about all these, like, iconic moments, but now interjecting these completely obscure jungle animals into yep. the scene. Yep, <laughs> like, 100% like crossing, happens. Crossing of the Delaware, but there's, like... A tiger in the boat with yep. George Washington. Well, and I also think it's very responsible for Scholastic to take a minute <laughs> to stop teaching about science and biology and to sw- switch gears over to history for just a second. Do a little soft lane change. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, it is, it's so silly and so crazy. And I, I like need to reread it as an adult because it was legit one of my favorite entries in the, in the series as a child. Um, wow. And is this was their magic treehouse crossover is, episode? Is where my love of <laughs> is where my love of time capers um, was born and exists to this day. So, <laughs> well, I mean, who doesn't love a good time heist? Oh, they're so great. That takes us to episode thir- or book thirty-two, which again I'm only including because it's so silly. Um, somehow they have an early mission that involves them all as starfish. <laughs> and that's not going to be the most ridiculous part and of it's this not sentence. the most ridiculous part of this book um, so Rachel this is a, a story from the point of view as Rachel as a starfish gets cut in half but oh my god <laughs> well that's like that's okay though if you know how starfish work yeah so it's a whole thing that starfish regrow limbs from both halves that get cut in half so each half of this starfish manages to morph back into Rachel leaving a good an evil Rachel to we have exist. a mega Rachel situation <laughs> and a real a real Theseus's ship of a situation and, here and shenanigans ensue. I assume they murder and the evil I love one. Matt. Matt is just clutching his head in reaction to this news. What? What do you? What? Talk to me, Matt. 
I I can't stop smiling. Like it's just so like it's like looking at at a fucking build your own burger version of a sci-fi story and just checking which condiments you want on your burger. Like she's a starfish, so she gets cut in half, and now there's an evil twin. Yeah. It's like I it's mean, so good. But you're not wrong, Matt. It is kind of like baby's first sci-fi. Yeah. Like oh like, yeah. It, and to be fair, like Goosebumps is baby's first horror. Like this is, yep. you know, yeah, a hundred percent. This is training a league of of league of young teens to be that. Like, hey, you want to be that squirrely weirdo that you know sits in the <laughs> sits in the in the uh, the anime section of your local Barnes and Noble? Here's where to start, bud. Man, and I, I don't know how you summed up my weirdo. freshman and sophomore years of high school so succinctly. But and here despite we are. all and against all odds, Kyle, we became those squirrely weirdos who sat in the anime section in their local Barnes and Noble. Against all odds, he said with a question. <laughs> um. So, so the the 30s of the books are a lot of filler as we as we you rush. know the flirty 30s. The, the, 30, the 30s and 40s are a lot of filler. Um, but I will I will take the time to point out forty two uh, brings us a the second return of the Helmicrons in in this adventure they escape the battle very early on by going into Marco's nose leading to the rest of the book being a weird incredible journey book where they go into Mar- where they shrink and go into Marco and. And Osmosis Jones their way through the rest of the story. <laughs> it's, it's the Magic School Bus episode. It's That's the Magic School Bus yeah. episode, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, 42, another weird filler episode, has Cassie somehow fall out of a plane as an insect, so the fall doesn't hurt her, but she lands in the Australian outback and helps this Aboriginal family out. And that's the whole book. Great. <laughs> that's the wild thornberries episode <laughs> so from there we actually like start moving into the end the end of the series and they the the stories have arc after this um we get into book 50 where the animorphs increase their numbers by recruiting physically disabled children the logic there being children would be more receptive to the news of a secret alien invasion than adults would and disabled children being not physically 100% physically fit wouldn't be ideal um, hosts for Yerks to control so they're obviously safe to tell about the Yerk invasion. This feels bad. It, yeah, Todd and I have the I, same face on right now. Oh and at first I was I, like, this is going to have like a glimmer of hope and positivity and empowerment. And maybe the story did have those tones, but man, the concept. So there, there <laughs> is like, there is definitely what you're picking up on of the like, this feels very icky. Intertwined with the like, also giving these, these people the ability to morph will free them from like, their sure. their mm-hmm. disablement sure. handicap whatever you want to call it but only it. briefly but only briefly yeah and and then they all they all like in the final battle they all stay on earth to defend earth and die well and i think ka applegate in the story has like tried to take something positive and been like also to be happy you have to escape your own reality like yeah it's it's a little like it's accidentally able to. It's, it's very the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yes. 100%. Yeah. It's that like 
90s, like, we're trying to do something good, but actually it's still ableist thing that yeah. happened a lot. It's book 50, so by then they're like, no, like, you you wouldn't, like, derail the series now with a really bad well, thing. And given you? the fact that there were three people reading them, and two of yeah. them were Kyle and his brother, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, Derek did not read this series as long oh, as okay. I did. <laughs> it was just me. <laughs> so, so from from that book to the end, um, this it's it's like the end of the series. So like each book feeds into the next, and you need to read these. Um, I don't want to spoil the ending. You but can spoil the ending. I want you to spoil the <laughs> ending. Um, Kyle, I'm not going to pick up these books. Can. So here's, here's the spoiler warning. This for is everyone. this is also about where I like I read each of these books once to finish the series. I re- might have read the final two books um, a couple more times than that because they were the final ones, but, like, I don't remember a lot of this. Um, Their secret somehow all gets out. Their identities are revealed. It's a whole thing where, like, each book up until their identities get out starts with, my name is Jake. I can't tell you anything more about myself because my identity is a secret. So, like, that next book after their secret, their identities are revealed is, like, my name is Jake Brenson. I am a 16-year-old high school senior at blah, blah, blah high school in blah 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 california i've been fighting the yurks for three years or whatever so like that happens um the the fight ultimately ends with the animorphs getting into space somehow i don't again don't remember all the details because it's it's wild all uh, five of the six are on one ship the sixth is on now visser one's ship who was visser three he got promoted because he did so well um, taking over earth um so there are five on one ship rachel is the sixth on visser three ship she morphs into something big and scary and kills visser three and they have this real kind of hollow victory where like they're all hollow husks of teenagers that had to fight this horrible war for three years and kill a lot of people and then we get this fun epilogue with like where everyone is how everyone deals with PTSD and it's really, (laughs) it's really depressing (laughs) and ends with Jake, Rachel and Axe going back into space, trying to end like stamp out one last cluster of Yurk stronghold. And they find this mysterious ship. Jake gives the command, ram the ship. And then the book, the series ends. (laughs) And that's animals. (laughs) Oh, boy. There's, a, there's like, I, I'm pretty sure there's, like, a follow-up that is, like, from the, the ship, the Rams point of view. I never read it. It doesn't, it's not considered canon. But it, yeah. So, like, it ends on a real downer note. What happens to the other three? Cassie you, you is, Cassie is living on Earth as a, like, so, like, the, the war event, like, ramps up. Everyone knows about it. She's living on Earth as, like, a, a counselor to help people who were controllers deal with getting back into life. Marco is just done. He's just living with his dad and now freed mother because um, they freed his mom at some point in the series. And Tobias is still a hawk. Um, living living with a colony of freed hork bajir on earth and then the other three go into space and ram the ship 
What the yeah. fuck? Yeah, <laughs> Rachel. Rachel super dies. I don't know if you said that or not. Rachel super dies. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. She dies. Um, she kills Visser one, Visser three, then Vis- Ed, who is now Visser one, and then dies. And there's like a whole thing where everyone's kind of pissed at Jake for the rest of their lives because they're like, "Well, you sent Rachel, your cousin, our good friend, to die, and you knew you were doing that." And his only defense is like, but she also knew she was doing that and agreed to it. And wow. So then he just sent himself on a suicide mission? And so then he sent himself on a suicide mission. And it's, wow. yeah, it ends on a huge downer. Huh. Wow. What a way to end a series. Well, there's a whole moment where, yeah. sorry, I jumped to a wiki because, you know, that's a thing. Um, uh, briefly before she dies, the Illumist stops time and tells his own story to her. Yeah, and, and, uh, and that's the Illumist Chronicles, which... Yeah, and so she she asks, like, what uh, her contribution was to the war, and he t- the Illumist tells her, and then she dies. Yep. I think she dies as a polar bear. Grizzly bear. Grizzly bear. Um, her mm. her signature battle morph. They all They all have signature... Signature animals they go into battle with. Um, hers being first an elephant and then a grizzly bear. When they decided a grizzly bear tested better with uh, kids the than kids. an elephant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. How we feeling? I'm I, a little sad. My, yeah. I That didn't end the way I expected it to. Nope. No. Sure didn't. I mean, I think, like, and it had already been said at the beginning, like, the concept for being is wildly unnecessarily complex with the names they gave it is not that complex in the end yeah it's incredible to me that they filled 54 books with this story um but like i feel like kyle you gave a really good summary of what happened and it all fits the little bit that i already knew yeah and And i mean at the crux of it all maple oatmeal maple oatmeal (laughs) Um, it's, it's amazing. I'm remembering how, um, simple and how like kind of shallow the story is going back on these. I remembered very quickly is like, Oh yeah. Each book can kind of be summed up as one or two sentences. Yeah. The one, the one where this they, happens, then that happens. The one where they try and dump oatmeal in the York pool. The one where they yeah. tr- go to the Arctic. Like again, a third of the book is animal facts. And then like the other third of the book is teens dealing with this and normal teen problems at the same time. And then the third, the last third is the plot. So it's, they're not dense books. They're made for 10 to 12 year olds, but they hit on these very heavy themes of body horror PTSD, hmm. like the trolley problem. Do I kill these hundred yurks to save one million humans? Like, it it's a very, very weird series that, again, shapes a lot of what I like and dislike to this day. Yeah. Um, I am looking through, I was looking through the wiki while you were going through some of these, and I can say with absolute certainty that I know the book that I bounced off of and ended the series was book 19, which was the Caterpillar weird Cassie heady shit. And yep. And that was a weird one. That was a, yep. those, 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 some of those Cassie ones are just very hard to read, especially when you're expecting like a normal yep. good guys show up 
turn into a new animal this this book yeah just like i just wanted star wars i didn't need i didn't need whatever the hell you know whatever the hell that was the dilemma of yeah of alien existence the dilemma of human existence whatever that inst class i wanted was called, i wanted to... star wars and i got requiem for a dream <laughs> yeah <laughs> um that's animorphs boys oh boy I mean, we any, got there. Any lingering questions? Any any plots you wish happened that I didn't touch on that may have happened? I don't know. Any if lingering you had thoughts? Said it. I um again in my quick uh you or uh wiki or WikiLeak, Wikipedia dive um <laughs> the what's his name Axe? Does he become like the the general? Is that no. a thing? Axe very much, Jake very much stays the leader of the group. Axe very much falls in line to to Jake. No, but I thought that, isn't Axe the, the one who's also, who's an alien? Yes. He but is. doesn't he, like, what happens when everything's said and done? Oh, when everything's said and yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he, like, goes back, he goes back to the Andalites and becomes a, uh, basically what is a human Andalite diplomat. Cool. He's sure. like, I lived among them. Here's how to not, here's how to he not give into your Cinnabon frenzy. I guess I was wrong. I guess he wasn't. He. Oh, okay. I don't know if he went on the ship or not. I'm not remembering that Meh. end scene entirely correctly. It wasn't Jake alone on the ship, but I don't remember who else was with him. Maybe David the Rat, who they just <laughs> yeah <laughs> they just sacrificed. Awesome. David the Rat came comes back and like teams up with the Cryak in a later book, and they. They like shut him down again and trap him on an island as a rat a second time. <laughs> we know that what? song. We'll play it again. Yep. What happens to like like what what fucks up with like Tobias's parents or David's parents? Um, David's parents they they kind of touch on. They're just like, I guess his parents will never know what happened. To him. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um, <laughs> fill out that missing person person's report. And David's parents are also shitbags. So. Um, Tobias. Yeah. Tobias, every fifth book is like the same person, except Tobias and Axe switch. So they're every tenth book. So they each get like less books than everyone else. Which is fine because we don't need to know that much about thermals and currents. Yeah. Um, so like <laughs> Tobias has a weird has a weird book where someone from his dad's estate, someone from some some lawyer tries to contact him and gives him a bunch of money, but the only way to accept it is this convoluted way of saying basically. You have to stay a human forever. You can't. He had. He would have to stop living as a hawk and an anamorph to get this money. So he ultimately decides to not take it and stay a hawk and an anamorph. And then there's another book later where he meets his mom. He goes back and like tell tries to tell his mom everything that's going on, but she's old, knows her former husband left for some mysterious reason thinks and is pretty sure he's an alien but everyone thinks she's crazy so now she's old and crazy and there's a whole book of tobias just dealing with that and other than that that's all we get into tobias's home life um wow he's incredibly dark yeah very very bleak and dark yeah this whole series is like at least a hundred pounds heavier than i expected it to be right Yeah. yeah This was not the fun space romp that I was expecting. It sure isn't. Yeah. I'm almost in a way glad for the TV series that it only lasted for a year. Because, like, 
Can you imagine? Can you imagine the CW trying to pull this off? So this is where I reveal that this whole thing and my upcoming read-along book-by-book podcast is an attempt to get Netflix or HBO to pick this series up <laughs> in a 10-series-long Game of Thrones-style show. And I will, I will not rest until that happens. Well, think about it. Like, if they would cut out some of the, like, the shit. Like, oh, yeah. I would, I would watch something that, like, runs along the lines of a gritty reboot of this. Right? Yeah. Totally. I mean, think what they did, think what they did to Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. Age it up a little bit. Yep. Pull yeah. out some of the darkness. Make a new Riverdale. Yeah. Make the teens more sexier. Yeah. That's, that's the equation. <laughs> <laughs> the sexier the teens, the sexier the money. Are you listening to the CW or Netflix or HBO? <laughs> Not you, Freeform. Never you. <laughs> Not you, Freeform. <laughs> Not you, CISO. <laughs> um, so until next time, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at DebateThisCast and visit our website at DebateThisCast.com. I'm Kyle, your host. I'm Todd Elfangor, hardly knower, Thomas. <laughs> I'm Matt Helmicrons and Animorphs, Marco's inside story, Cole. <laughs> I'm Andrew. I'm just unne- I'm unexpectedly sad. Anderson. <laughs> uh, saying thanks for debating with us. And if you think we're wrong or just want to beat up the dorks who like Animorphs, you can come fight us behind the swing sets, nerds. Damn.